0: what we have before us this evening is what I have called a fresh start. A fresh start for the prophet Jonah. And from time to time, I think that most of us appreciate it when we experience a fresh start. When we are renewed by the Spirit and stirred up And maybe brought back to our former love, our first love. I think we all do from time to time need to be refreshed, need to be renewed. Now, someone said the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. When we feel Satan wants us to believe that our service is over, that it has ended, And there's no hope for recovery. But God is the God of the second chance. And verse 1 makes this abundantly clear because it says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I have a number of things I want to share with you just briefly tonight, hopefully. First of all, there's the coming of the word. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. So this really is a divine visitation. This is God visiting his child. And this is the way God visits his people from time to time, especially in times of revival. It's a divine visitation. So the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. This takes us back to the opening two verses of the first chapter. And you can compare these opening two verses in chapter 3 with the opening two verses in chapter 1. But you will notice here the word second is mentioned. It's as if God is saying, Okay, Jonah, let's go back to the starting line and let's try again. This time we will do it my way. I think that's what the Lord is really saying here. Here this is what's behind this opening verse Jonah let's start afresh let's begin over again remember the time when Israel came out of the land of Egypt they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea it wasn't a very long distance to bring them into the land of Canaan and they had that golden opportunity just to press on like we all do from time to time But instead of pressing on, they went back. There's always the danger when we're faced with a new challenge to move on with God, to do something new, something different. There's always the fear that we might not face the challenge, that instead of going on, we go back. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. With the result, for the next 38 years or thereabouts, they wandered around in the wilderness is there someone here tonight someone listening to my voice and that is what you're doing today you're wandering around you're not pressing on you haven't faced the opportunity the Lord has set before you and you're wandering and dare I say you may even be going back because if you're not going forward really you are going back and so the time came after 38 years where did God bring them to again again second time he brought them back to Kadesh Barnea this time they had learnt the lesson 38 years of discipline taught them yes when God speaks you obey so after all that time wandering and a whole generation had died in the wilderness now is the time to press on and to move on because God brought them a second time to this place of departure You think about Elijah. Uh, He's a great prophet of fire. He's called down fire from on high. The people are amazed at this great prophet of God who has this power to pray down fire from on high. He destroys the prophets of Baal. What a sight that must have been. This is how God dealt with the false prophets. In his time, he may deal with them in a slightly different way today, but that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the point is this. God will always deal with him in his own good time, whatever way he sees fit. It may not be the way we would hope, but uh, God always works in his own good time in his own good way. And so he's doing this. And then he hears word from a woman called Jezebel, an old witch of a woman, bad woman. She met her fate in a most appropriate fashion, the enemy of truth and enemy of righteousness. And through her influence, the land of Israel was turned to idolatry. But God didn't forget what she did. And God rewarded her suitably in his own good time. He always does. And Elijah heard this word from her. She said, listen, if you're alive at the end of the day, it'll it'll be an amazing thing. I'm I'm coming for you. And so this great man of power, what does he do? He runs. He runs. And he ends up under a juniper tree. He's exhausted. He's mentally fatigued, physically exhausted. I suppose we would say that Elijah really was depressed. And sometimes depression comes because we're worn out or we're tired or just weary. So here he was, this great man who'd accomplished so much good for God. And now he's under the juniper tree. He's depressed. He wants to die. Well, this man, the amazing thing about it is he never got that prayer answered. There's some prayers we never get answered because he never died. God took him to heaven in a different, completely different way. That's an amazing thing. And so here we see him. He lies down and uh, he awakes then, and the angel touches him. He lies down again. He's still tired. And then the Bible tells us about the angel came and touched him. The second time. Some more food. Something to drink. And he goes in the strength of that. For 40 days to to the mount of God. The second time you see. He needed to be refreshed. He was human. He was just a human being. He was a great prophet but he was a human being. We're just human beings. Preachers are the same. We all need encouragement. We all need the second touch. And the third touch and the fourth touch. all need a fresh start, don't we? A fresh start. So God is saying, let's go back to the starting line and try again, Jonah. You see, at the start he was a hearer only. He heard the voice of God, but he didn't obey the voice of God. And then it came to the point when he became a doer. He heard, but he did not heed But then he heard and he did obey what God said. And when God speaks, he has always something important to say. Have you read your Bible today? Could you tell me now what you read? Do you remember what you read? Did you hear a voice from heaven speaking to your heart? Did God give to you a word from his book for your soul today? We need this every day. Not just a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or a Tuesday night. We need to hear from heaven every day. Some people, if they don't hear from a son or daughter. They're all annoyed. They give the children a telling, Now, if you didn't call me yesterday or the day before, well, when you think of our heavenly father, and we're all his children, he wants to hear from us. We want to hear from him. We want to carry on a meaningful relationship with him. It's a two-way operation system, you see. We speak to him and he speaks to us and so on. And so are we in speaking terms with God? Are we enjoying a word and season? We should pay attention when God speaks. That's the problem with Jonah here. When God spoke, he didn't pay attention initially. And then he went down into that deep, dark place. Now another thing, there's no mention made of the former caller flight. God didn't, as we would say, cast it up to him. You know when it is? Sometimes you have a disagreement, and you think that the matter is resolved, and then somebody casts it up. Well, the Lord didn't cast it up. There's no mention made of a former call, a former call, or the former flight. The word came on to Jonah. Now, we don't know exactly how the word came on to Jonah. How it happened. Now, we know that the Bible wasn't actually written by the hand of God. We know that wasn't written by the finger of God. With the exception of the writing on Belshazzar's wall, there are only two occasions in the Bible, one in the Old, one in the New Testament, where we read of deity writing. In the Old and in the New Testament. And on each occasion, the writing was twofold. One in connection with the uh, giving of the law, the other in connection with a act, of special grace by Christ. Remember how the Lord wrote on the tables of stone that was with the finger of God, ten words, the ten commandments. God wrote it. And then when you come to the New Testament in John chapter 8, remember there's a woman, she was a sinful woman, and. Uh, They brought this woman to the Lord for his judgment. And remember how on two different occasions in that chapter 8 of John's gospel, how Jesus looked down and he wrote on the ground, here's the finger of God again. I wonder what he wrote. It would be interesting to know exactly what he wrote. Was there a reminder of one of the laws concerning adultery, whatever, I can't say. I don't know for sure. But the point is this. Only two occasions do we read of deity writing in the scriptures. But it pleased God that his message of law and grace should be communicated to man through servants, especially fitted for that particular task. And that task is known as inspiration. How did we get this book? Well, God breathed, God gave this word to certain individuals, specially fitted to do this task. And the Lord came and filled their sail. You've got a sailing boat there, I and mean, I guess catches the wind that it moves speedily and makes progress. And that's the picture we have of these men being filled, moved by the Spirit of God. The Lord filled their sail and enabled them without error to write the originals. God kept them from any error in writing the original. God inspired these men. Now, while the spirit of inspiration breathes on every page of this book, every sentence, every word is inspired of God, the word is only found twice in the Bible. I found that an amazing thing. Once in the Old Testament, in the book of Job chapter 38, Verse two, and Second Timothy three, verse sixteen, and there, in Second Timothy three, we read about the scriptures that they are inspired of God, and that word "inspired" of God, and those words "inspired of God" come from a Greek word. It's actually a compound word made up of two words, and it simply means God breathe. So the Bible is inspired; it's God breathe. This is a translation we have, a time-honored translation of the Scriptures. But in the original, these men were moved. God breathed upon them and kept them from error as they wrote down the originals inspired of the Spirit of God. Now, the prophets and the apostles made it clear that their messages were absolutely and holy from God. Holy writings were given by God through these human authors who penned the precise words that God directed them to select. They were written under inspiration. Yet none of the writers tell us just how the operation took place. So when the Bible says here that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, I don't know exactly how it happened. And I don't really care I'm just going with what the Bible says that the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time and I'll tell you something Jonah knew when he received the word from God and I want to to tell you also when you receive a word from God you'll know it. You'll know it. When God gives you a word you'll know it. And here was this man, a man who failed and yet the second time the word comes to him. He didn't have to go out searching for it. The word came to him. It was brought to his heart. Brought to his heart. You order a pizza. You can't be boring out. It's a wet night. Too far to get down to the pizza shop. Hello, can you send the pizza to such and such an address? I want a Hawaiian one, 10 inch. Much as that? Much tip do you have to pay? And in 10, 15 minutes, You have 12 or 13 pounds ready for the man who comes. And there it is. It's brought to you. And the Spirit of God brings the word to Jonah. And it's good when the word comes. It's good when the word is living. It's good when you're getting blessed through the word. It makes the world a difference. When God speaks and you can hear that voice. And you know this is the voice of God. This is God speaking to me. Oh that God would visit us again. We need a visitation. Just the way Jonah experienced a visitation. We too needed a visitation of God. Jonah knew and God had spoken to him. So there's the coming of the word. The time is almost gone. I haven't even through, come to the second point yet. There's a command of the word. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. That, the, the term there, the phrase, that great city, is found four times in the book uh, chapter 1 verse 2 uh, chapter 2 2 and 3 and then again in chapter 4 verse 11 uh, the word came to Jonah before he actually was asked to preach it and that's the way it is uh, with those who are involved in the ministry we need a word from God before we can preach it and what was the word the word was go go It can be linked with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and so on, and Mark 16. Go. And in those uh, chapters of the Gospels, the two words are linked together. Go. Lo, I am with you always. So when you go, you have the encouragement or the the assurance. Lo, I'll go with you. So when God asks you to do something, have the confidence in him that he will go with you. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 16, God said to Noah, who had been saved by grace, along with his wife and family, and the ark that points us to Jesus Christ, the minute he comes out, what does God say to his servant, Noah? Go forth, go forth. And then in chapter 9, verse 1, God told him exactly what to do. Be fruitful and multiply. They were in the ark as a type of Jesus Christ. Those in the ark are to go forth and serve. Man's seed had to be sown to reproduce. That is, a humanity to repopulate. The world had been decimated. Only eight individuals. Can you imagine that? Eight people left on earth. Think of the billions now, nowadays. All serve of those eight who come out of the ark. And God says, go, be fruitful and multiply. If the church of Jesus Christ could only catch a vision of what's implied here, those of us in Christ, redeemed by precious blood, we have received this commission to go. If we would only go and do with the power of the Holy Spirit and reproduce, if you like. Oh, the world would be a different place. We need to sow the seed of the kingdom so you can look upon genesis chapter 9 as a as a picture of evangelism say people are serving people go ye into all the world and preach the gospel the world is our parish now i read something uh, a little article i was reading uh, recently and it says a church without evangelism is a contradiction in terms just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction A fire that doesn't burn is a contradiction. A church without evangelism. I'm thankful for those who do get involved. uh, For people like your brother James, his own time, uh, knocking the doors. And for the young people and others who go from time to time to the doors and uh, and open there and passing out flyers and whatever. Some flyers we have available. Get a handful tonight on the way out and go. This is your parish. Corian's your parish. You don 't need to go to Africa or India or Kenya or China. go to Bali. Go to Korea. Everybody else could do it. Go to Korean. This is our parish. A young salesman was disappointed after losing a big sale. He must't have had the gift of the galb, and he talked with the sales manager and he lamented and this is what he said I guess it proves you can lead a horse to the water but you can't make him drink uh, and that's what somebody said of me in my young days and uh, it wasn't said in a very good context I'm glad the Lord saved me saved me from that the manager replied son your job is not to make him drink it is to make him thirsty <laughs> ok and if you're thirsty enough you'll buy it and if we can only show something of the grace of Jesus Christ, this is, this is the way it is with evangelism. Our lives should be so filled with Christ that they create a thirst for the gospel. Remember the man of Gadara in Mark chapter 5? He wanted to be with Jesus. And that was a good desire to have. But that was not the Lord's will for him. It's the Lord's will for some people just to stay at home. It's not necessarily Lord's will that every person, man should become a pastor or an evangelist, that every lady should be involved in missionary work, whatever. And, and the full-time capacity that is. God has something for us all to do. Maybe a minister in your home, you've got a mission field in your home. The Lord knows all about it. He wanted to be with Jesus, but Jesus said, listen, go home. That's what he said. Go home to your friends and tell them the great things I have done for your soul. Tell them, tell your friends, tell your family. And when that man went into the presence of the family, they could see the difference. They saw the beauty of Christ in that man. That man who terrorized the area, that man who was possessed, who called himself a madman of Gadara. But here's this man saved by grace and his life changed and everybody notices it. And the people are given a thirst for the reality of what he had received. That's it. Are you taking your Christianity seriously, really, seriously? Are you going? Are you letting your light shine? Can they see the beauty of Christ and you, the community where you live, as your parish? John chapter 4 the woman of Samaria she came out at a bad time the other woman didn't want to identify with her because she was a sinful woman and the Lord saved her and the people that she went to went into the town again to the men of the city and I believe that she wasn't a moral woman and maybe some of these men she had sinned with you know the situation you know the story well and she went into Testify to them, come see a man that told me everything I I have done in my life. He knows everything about that. And the whole, well, when it says the whole set, it doesn't mean every particular person, every grandmother and granny and granda and child. The whole set, it means the majority of the people come out to see who had done this great thing for her. I've got to come to an end now. Preach unto other the preaching that I bid thee. Now the call is repeated, but there's one small change here. Chapter 1, verse 2, the message was, Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Little distinctions in the Hebrew Bible often mean a lot. The Change of one letter makes a difference. First God told you to cry against the study, now he has to preach to the city as a herald, as a crier. He has to declare a message. Yes, he has to tell them, reprove them about their sin. But now he's coming as a crier, as a herald. Now, there's no, there's no hope of salvation held here or extended to the people yet at this point in time. Just 40 days and none of us shall be destroyed or overthrown. There's no mercy here. 40 days time. Nineveh is doomed to be destroyed. That's it. But it's to go and are as a herald. It's to preach unto you. the preaching, I bid thee. And this renewed commission wants to check out the sincerity of his repentance. Just to see if he had truly repented. There's always evidence of true repentance. When men and women get right with God, there will always be evidence. Change. Here's a change. First of all, he fled to go on to Nineveh. And then we're told here, Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. There's a change. There's repentance. He's changed. So I've got to leave it there tonight. There's the coming of the word. And then there's the command of the word. And next time we'll go on to consider two of the other things as well. May God bless his word tonight. That's boy for prayer. Please keep our prayers short again and to the point, if at all possible. To encourage, the reason I say that is to encourage as many people as possible to pray. That's what we want you to do, to pray at around tonight. And specifically be praying for a pastor. God's man. Very serious. We need to pray about this matter. Keep on praying about it. So let's get down again to pray. Mr. McDowell, would you lead us in prayer, brother, please? Thank you.